Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you will turn with me to chapter 20 of Psalm, in the book of Psalm in the Old Testament. I want to thank Pastor Wayne who preached a powerful word last Sunday called Taste Buds Don't Lie. I was so hungry after he preached. I, especially the week before when he talked about uh, MG, uh, MSGs. And he started casting down cookies. And uh, I said, the devil is a lie. <laughs> Don't be talking about my little Debbies now. <laughs> Ooh, you, we eat little Debbies till we come, become big Debra. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Ooh, this is joy in the house today. Especially when, you, when you've spent the night through with your nose cold and your ears cold and you can still praise God. Amen. Amen. I want to speak today on thankful hearts of gratitude. Say thankful. I would rather us be thankful than thank half or thank empty. I hope this day that your tank will be filled up with thanksgiving and gratitude. And that God will do something amazing in your heart today that will actually change your disposition, the way you think, the way you look at life, the things that come out of your mouth. The Bible said that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, if you believe what you say, you can have it. That's why you got to be careful that you don't say things like, I'm worried sick, because you could be. Or I'm about to have a nervous breakdown because you could. Or I'm sick and tired. You got to be careful what you say. Don't say amen too loud or maybe just say ouch, but all of us have been guilty of saying stuff that we really shouldn't have said because life and death are in the power of the tongue. Now, I'm not encouraging you to touch your tongue this morning for sanitary reasons, but we know the Bible said that this little member is full of deadly poison and can't nobody tame it. And, and it appeared to me or, uh, that when, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, where the Bible says with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that the last member of your body that yields is the tongue. And it is a hard battle to get that tongue under control because we like to have the last word we like to talk too much. We like to give everybody our opinion. We, we want to make sure that we tack the carpet down, jot the, the I and cross the T, and we'll make sure that we were heard. Bless God, if I got to raise my decibel level, I'm going to make sure that I got the last word in. Amen? <laughs> so we got to be careful about the tongue and how we use it. And are we using it to glorify God or are we defeating our own self? There's two types of storms that happen in your life. Storms that God allows and storms you cause. The storms that God allows are the storms that are compared to when he sent his disciples in, on the boat to meet him on the other side. He knew there was a storm coming. He knew what they would in, encounter. But he allowed that storm so that he may teach them. 
And then you would see the storm that we cause compared to the life of Jonah. Disobedient, rebellious, stubborn, prideful Jonah got into a storm out of his own stubbornness. Now, if you know somebody that's stubborn, don't look at them. But all of us have a stubborn streak. Amen. Have you ever had a defiant child? And you're like, I don't know, my first child was so easy. And then that second child come along, you're like, you little blessing, you. <laughs> even, your, even your pets can have a stubborn streak. I remember when we were uh, trying to potty train our first little long-haired chihuahua. Her name was Abby. Bless her heart. She's gone home to meet her reward. But uh, <laughs> I remember we were trying to discipline her and, and keep her from using the potty in the house. I'm, this ain't in my notes, but uh, she didn't like to be disciplined. She would sit there and turn her head and would not look at us. And I'd call her name. She wouldn't look at us. Anybody got a pet like that? Moody. And I don't mean Moody Bible Institute. Moody. Got mood swings. <laughs> and so all of us know what stubbornness is. And we got to be careful that we don't let our tongue get us in trouble. That's why the Bible says don't even make a vow that would cause your flesh to sin. Sometimes we open our mouth in a big situation trying to get in on the getting zone. And somebody's taking pledges and we raise our mouth. I'll give $100,000. You ain't got $5 in your pocket. You understand what I'm saying? And, and so the Bible said it better you not make a vow than make a vow and not keep it. Amen? And we've all been guilty. We get in a big way. Um, so we got to be careful we don't let our tongue cause our flesh to sin. This morning, God's put in my heart regarding gratitude and being thankful. And I want to read out of Psalm chapter 20 in the Old Testament. And I want to give you a minute to get there. As you're turning to Psalm chapter 20... I want to commend all of our teams who serve with gratitude. The Bible says to serve the Lord with gladness. And they come before his presence with thanksgiving. And every service we have a prayer meeting and a team meeting before our, our church opens doors for folks. And we pray for one another that we will have the mind of Christ to serve. Today, when you pick your children up in children's ministry, I want you to love on the teachers and the leaders and thank them for all they do. And don't forget to pick your, for all they do, children up. <laughs> David said in Psalm chapter 20, the psalmist wrote, in times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. May the name of the God of Jacob keep you safe from all harm. May he send you burnt offerings then he tells us to think on that and then in verse 4 may he grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed and then the focus shifts from he to we four things these verses mention the things that he does and then the fifth verse tells us what we do 
May we shout for joy. Somebody practice that. Hey! hey. <laughs> you didn't know you was going to get that. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. Just put your hand right up on yourself and say, Lord, be it unto me this day that I may be a hearer and not just a, and not, and a doer, but not just a hearer. Do a work in me so you can do a work through me. And everybody say amen. amen. So I speak to you today on a subject that I was tried and tested on this weekend. As the heat didn't work and it was freezing to the bones, that I had to give God praise anyhow and be thankful. And when you read Psalm chapter 20, verse 1 through 5, it begins to paint a series of some of the things that only God can do. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. So when God moves in your day of trouble, often we would say that's a miracle. Have you ever gone to the post or to the mailbox and there was a check in the mail you didn't plan on? Somebody had sent you a refund, a rebate, resource, showed up in your life and you were like, thank you, Lord. I didn't know that that was coming. It was a miracle from God. I remember when Pastor Bev and I first started in our marriage and we were very slim when it came to finances. And after we would tithe unto the Lord and learn how to budget accordingly, there were some seasons that it didn't seem like there was going to be enough chicken soup and enough biscuits on the table. And sometimes someone would knock on our door and leave us a bag of groceries. And you talk about wanting to praise God in that moment when you didn't have no pork chops. Amen. You were making a can of Spam go a long way with all of its sodium. You were thanking God for all of that. And it would break your spirit and your heart because you knew that somebody had listened to the voice of God, that they would come nigh to your house with a can of soup or with a pork chop or a gift card to go to Ryan's Steakhouse. And you were like, Lord, I just want to thank you. We would call that a modern day miracle when God blesses you in ways you didn't expect in the moment you needed it. And then he said, not only did God to help you and answer us in the day of trouble, may God send you help from the sanctuary. And so when the hand of God is helping you accomplish things, it's because he's just good like that. Some of us would call that a miracle when God from the sanctuary sends resource and answer. And then the psalmist said, may he remember your offerings. May God remember every sacrifice that you've made, time, talent, and treasure, where you have served the Lord with gladness and come before his throne and his presence with singing. Then he would say, may he grant you according to all your heart's desire. And I think that's great because sometimes we come to the house of God and we start asking God for things that we want instead of things that we need. And we'll ask amiss sometimes. And God, who is good, will often grant requests for us out of his mercy, out of his goodness, and out of his grace. I want somebody to know today that God's not mad at you, and God's not angry at you. And it don't matter what you've done, God still loves you. And you are still in his good grace. And God has the power to keep you 
And sometimes we walk into the house of God and we come with a desire for the things that we want. But I wondered if we could walk in and ask God, not for anything, but to walk in and praise him and say, Lord, I didn't come to ask you for anything. I come to thank you for who you are. I come to praise you for what you've done. I thank you, Lord, because every promise in the book is mine. And, and there's an availability to me of every resource because I rejoice in your salvation. But then when you reach verse 5, it talks about rejoicing in your salvation. Verse 1 through 4 talks about only the things that God can do. But by the time we reach verse 5, he's saying this is what you do. And now you will rejoice in your salvation. I want everybody to say rejoice, rejoice. in your salvation. And I want you to write this down in your notes. Thanksgiving is not a suggestion. Thanksgiving is a Bible command. And I explain it to you this way because Thanksgiving is something that the word of God requires of us. And I'll prove it to you by scripture. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16, rejoice always. Say that out loud with me. Rejoice always. When Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica, he wasn't giving them a suggestion. He was saying this is a requirement that you must rejoice always, not just when you feel good. Not just when you have money in the bank. Not just when your health is well. Not just when your kids' grades are up. But to rejoice always. Not just when your car isn't acting up. But to rejoice always. Because rejoicing is not a suggestion. Rejoicing is a command. And I know we struggle with that because we don't want anybody bossing us or telling us what we have to do. If I told you to rejoice some of us would say, just because you told me to, I'm not going to. And maybe you live in a home like that. Or maybe you have an attitude like that. Well, just because they tell you to do something, you buck up and say, bless God, ain't nobody going to tell me. Men sometimes act real macho around their wives. Like, woman, you ain't going to tell me what to do. I run this house. Oh, no, it's quiet in here now. We don't like to be told to do anything. And the Bible says that husbands and wives are to be mutually submitted to one another in the fear of the Lord. That we are to submit to one another as unto the Lord. Oh, it's real shouting ground right here. The Bible said that we're to rejoice in our salvation. Because salvation is not a suggestion. Salvation is a progressive act that God did when he provided salvation for us. And salvation is a miracle in and of itself because salvation is something that only God can do. And most of the time when people are talking about miracles, we'll use the word miracle to describe something that could be a measure of probability, that it could happen. But I want you to know that miracles are the manifestation of God's power, that when a miracle comes, it is God showing up in your life 
and showing up on the scene and manifesting his power so that he could reveal himself to us, that he could show the world that it is he that created us, that he is the Lord God Almighty, and he is greatly to be praised. So anytime a miracle shows up in your life or around your life, we ought to give God praise and thank him that he stepped onto the scene of our playbook and said, here's what I'm going to do for you. But the reason I do it is not to lift you up, but is to manifest my power so the world may know that there is a God who has all power and all might. Oh, I used to hear the old time saints say he sits high and he looks low and he has all power in his hand. Somebody ought to praise God and declare that he's a miracle working God. The very fact that he saved you and pulled you out of hell's kitchen and delivered you even from your own self. You ought to praise God that he didn't leave you on the gutter, that he didn't leave you in prison, that he didn't leave you in that hospital, that he didn't leave you when other people had shot you up, that God reached down and pulled you. I'm looking at a room full of miracles right now. He didn't have to do it, but he did. When he healed your kidneys, when he re rearranged your life and healed you from that paralysis, that had you bound to a wheelchair, had you bound to the devil's work. Oh, I feel like praising God today because I'm in a room full of people who know what it looks like to stand next to a miracle. If you have that, say yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, you a miracle. If you've named the name of Jesus Christ, you are a miracle. If you are living and breathing and walking and talking, you are a miracle because there was no probability about it. It wasn't your good fortune. It wasn't your good looks. It wasn't your good teeth. It wasn't your good pedigree. It wasn't no luck that you found the life in Jesus Christ and that Jesus reached down and pulled you out of the guttermost. It was the power of God. And the Bible said, though your sins be scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. I feel like preaching the gospel this morning when my life was twisted and wrangled with sin and tormented in my past and all my mistakes. When I stepped into the presence of God, he made me free. That's why the Bible said who the son sets free is free indeed when my sins have been blotted out and though they were red with sin that God healed me and delivered me and mended my old broken heart and broke every chain of addiction off of me and set me free from the yoke of bondage if you ever set anybody free you ought to lift your voice and say yes God I know what freedom looks like I am a miracle you got something to rejoice about. High five somebody and say, God is a miracle worker. And then you stumble upon the prestigious folks, the people who overthink, the people who analyze and criticize so they got no victory eyes, <laughs> who say, well, it would be great if God would raise the dead. And he could do that, and he has done it before, and he will do it in a time that we all know will happen when the Bible said that the trump of God will sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. But the greatest miracle you'll ever see is not a dead body that comes back to life. 
The greatest miracle you ever see is when somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ because the Bible says that though they were dead in trespasses and sin, but as soon as they believe it in their heart and confess with their mouth, the Bible said that they became saved. Somebody said, well, I don't know, Pastor, if my theology believes that. Well, what does the Bible say? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Oh, hallelujah. I want to thank God for the miracle of salvation that brought my Baptist mother and my Baptist father into faith. And though they were taught, don't you get around them Pentecostal people. Don't you go around them tongue-talking people. They handle snakes. They do all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, you better not go there. But my Southern Baptist aunt, Aunt Thelma Coleman, took my mother to a Pentecostal revival, her and her Baptist self, uh, and they went down to that Pentecostal church uh, and didn't know what they were stepping into. And as that preacher preached the word of God, the Bible said that faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the word of the Lord, uh, that my mother got under so much conviction uh, that when they gave the altar call. She ran down to that altar, laid her life down and said, yeah, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin and come in my heart. And you know what them old Pentecostal women did with their big towers of power hairdos? They gather around my mother and they wouldn't let her up. They begin to pray on her and pray on her until the power of God got all over her. She she didn't just come up saved. She came up speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And two days later, the same thing happened to my dad. You talk about a miracle. That's a miracle that changed my life. Now, we'd be, we'd be saying things like, well, if he could just raise somebody from the dead, then I might believe. The people around you are a miracle. The Bible said that when one sinner is saved, that the angels in heaven rejoice. Now, I could ask Brother Joshua, when he was in a battle for his life in the Old Testament, and they ran out of daylight, that he looked up to God and said, God, make the sun stand still. Because we don't have enough daylight to defeat these enemies. But if you'll make the sun stand still, oh, I could preach right there. We believe we'll get the victory. And the Bible teaches us that God, with his infancy, grabbed a hold of the sun and made the sun stand still for 24 hours. <laughs> I heard somebody early say, Maybe that's where God gave, gave us daylight savings time. <laughs> I can't prove that by scripture, but I can tell you that he made the sun stand still. 
And Joshua won the battle because the amazing power of God and the miracle power of God. But if you get to heaven and you, you ask the angels, they're not going to talk to you about God making the sun stand still. Uh, they probably, when all that was going down, they probably looked over at one another. Look at God over there showing off again. He just doing what he does. He just uh, making a way when there is no way. But that didn't cause the angels to rejoice. The Bible said uh, that when one sinner gets saved, uh, that heaven throws a party and the angels stop what they're doing and enter into the celebration. That's why I preach to you and tell you, you are a miracle. I am a miracle. And somebody ought to praise God that you are a miracle and it's happened in your life. You are a miracle. Every day you should rejoice in the joy of your salvation. The Bible said that God is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That means when I give my heart to Jesus and I gave him my soul, that God's grace would be sufficient to carry me through, that he will keep me saved. If I had to rely on me to keep myself saved, I wouldn't be saved in 24 hours because more than likely some lustful thought may hit me or some mouth, so I'd say something out of my mouth that wasn't pleasing to God. Come on now. Oh, we don't, we're not saved because of our good works. We're not saved because of our pedigree and who our parents were. And because you're a PK, a preacher's kid, I'm one too. And I'm so spoiled rotten because I hung out with the deacon's kids. Come on, somebody. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is that it's not of your works lest any man should boast. Salvation is the gift of God. And only God can offer a miracle like that. God is the only one that can save you. Buddha can't save you. Muhammad can't save you. Islam can't save you. Oh, don't you get fearful. I come to tell you Jesus is the only way. He didn't say just get on any spoke of the wheel and you'll make it to heaven. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life and no man comes to the Father except he come by me. You can't stare into a crystal long enough to make it to heaven. You can't read tea leaves enough to make it to heaven. You can't play with a Ouija board and think that your family is talking to you. That's not your family. That are demons who are impersonating your family that are trying to talk to you. You got to cast the devil down and declare Jesus is over my house. Jesus is over my life and he is the Lord of everything and I couldn't save myself. It took the power of the blood of Jesus to save me and redeem me. Good looks won't get you to heaven. Good works won't give you to heaven because you give to the United Way it won't get you to heaven. There is only one way and it is through the name of Jesus and that in itself is a miracle well if I belong to the Republican party well if I belong to the Democratic party I hate to be a party pooper but I want to tell you none of that's going to get you to heaven you got to come by the way of the cross through Jesus Christ. And so being thankful is a, not a suggestion, it's a command. I'm commanded to give thanks. I wonder how much stuff we say out of our mouth that causes angels to blush. I wonder how much stuff we say that's displeasing to God when we 
criticize and fault find. Now, don't look at anybody, but we all know somebody. They're just overly opinionated. They talk way too much. They tell too much business. They're in everybody's business. If they'd be, I mean, listen, they got more business. <laughs> if they mind their own business, they wouldn't be minding mine. So when I get around people who just talk too much, I call them brother loquacious. Sister talks too much. And they just get to talking too much and then they start losing their praise and their victory because then they start overanalyzing and criticizing and asking questions like, well, what do you think about so-and-so? And what do you think about the preacher? And what do you think about the, the deacons? And what do you think about how the church is doing this? And what do you think? Oh, you got enough on your plate to worry about your own self. I mean, my God, you got so many issues, you need a tissue. Uh, so we, we can't be involved in everybody else's business. We got to make sure we focus on our mouth and that we're speaking the word of truth from the Lord. And so again, I say that being thankful is not a suggestion. It's a command. And we're told in the book of Colossians, Paul said to the church in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, he said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body. And then I like what he said, and be thankful. So he said, the peace of God will rule in your heart. And when it does, you will be thankful. Everybody say thankful. And then Paul would write to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5, and he said it like this, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as I read that scripture, I thought how much this happens in our lives. There are times when I'm driving in my truck and I'm headed down Rockville Road and I'm dealing with all kinds of congestion and unfinished road work and thinking surely they're going to have this road work done uh, before the winter. Winter came, it still wasn't done. But as I'm driving, there are so certain times that I have to stop focusing on the negative and start praising God. And Paul said that the way that you remedy a negative spirit is you start speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that you begin to speak to yourself. And I'm not going to ask how many of you talk to yourself because I know most everybody in the room has probably had a conversation with your own self. I sometimes will be doing stuff and I like to hear myself say it. Now I'm going to set this here and I'm going to do this and my wife will say, who are you talking to? And I'm like, oh, I'm just talking to myself. I, I just needed to hear my own advice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I needed to get clarity on what I'm doing. And the same way it is when you begin to speak to yourself in songs and spiritual songs and you asking God to fill your heart and I begin to ask God for good things and I begin to sing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper as I'm driving down the road and I begin to sing just as I am without one plea and the old rugged cross and talk about the price that he paid for me and I sing old hymns that are like keep you in the battle for the Lord in right keep on the firing line and I sing battle songs like I'm on the battlefield for my Lord yes I am and I sing songs of praise oh how I love Jesus oh how I love Jesus and I begin to worship him and sing myself into a happy fit and I sing 
turning myself into a blessing. This is what Paul was saying. If you're going to praise God, speak to yourself in songs and hymns and spiritual songs until you begin to make melody in your heart. Because if melody is in your heart, you don't have time to speak criticisms or negativity over someone else. Being thankful is a command, not a suggestion. And I challenge somebody today, be thankful in spite of what you're going through. I would ask you a question. When is the last time you looked in someone's eyes and gave them and paid them a real compliment? Instead of a critique, your hair looks bad, your breath stinks. That you looked at somebody and said something complimentary. And just to make you uncomfortable, I want to ask you to look at somebody right now and say something nice. Would you do that? Say something nice about the person next to you. Compliment them. Compliment them. Now, if they won't say anything to you, bust them upside the head and say, I said compliment me. I said compliment me. When you enter into the presence of God, God doesn't want to hear your complaints. When you enter into the presence of God, God doesn't want to hear you criticize. The Bible doesn't say enter his gates with complaining and come into his courts with a nag. The Bible says in Philippians 4 and 6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto the Lord and so until we enter into his presence with singing and thanksgiving and praise I would dare say to you that God will keep the mute button on in your life because he's not going to entertain criticisms out of your mouth the king of glory is not going to sit and listen to you complain about people and nag and fault find and pick people apart. Oh, like a buzzard on roadkill. I, I just think that God shuts that thing down and he says, no, 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 I don't want to hear that. And so he teaches us how to come to him with thanksgiving and praise. Now, Here's the issue. Write this down. We have to come to the knowledge that we are not in control. Now, in order to be thankful, you have to realize that you are not in charge. Now, you don't have to look at the person next to you, but you know they need to hear it. Say it out loud. You are not in charge. You may live with somebody who, <laughs> whoo, we enjoyed that. Somebody really enjoyed that. Thank you, Lord. When you think you're in charge, you try to control everything. You try to control everybody. You, <laughs> you try to control situations. You try to control relationships. Here's my advice. Stay out of people's business. You got enough business 
to deal with yourself. Amen? And so one of the ways that you enter into the presence of God is not through complaining, not through nagging, but you relinquish control to God. And you say, God, I'm going to thank you even when I can't control. Mm, I just felt that. I'm going to thank you even when I have to take my hands off of it and give it to you. And then you begin to praise God through it and say, Lord, I thank you that you're big enough. I thank you for the breath I breathe. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. I thank you for everything you've given me. And I take my hands off of it because I am not in control. And do you imagine what it would be like if God heard you say that? Rather than coming to him and complaining about your boss at work and I don't like this person and I don't like that and they deceived me and they did me wrong and they did this. And I, but when you just came to God and said, God, I didn't come to ask you for anything. I just come to tell you how much I love you. I come to tell you how good you are to me and I appreciate your loving kindness and I thank you for your mercy. And can you imagine what God would do? I think God would turn the mute button off and say, what was that? What was that you said? Oh, it sounded different this time. And all of a sudden, God who sits high and looks low and has all power in his hands, the Bible teaches us that he comes and inhabits. He comes and he sits down in the praises of his people. My God, he dwells in your praise. And do you know when you open your hands up to God, you create a seat for him to sit in. Oh, come now in my place, God. Come to my house. Ain't no complaining over here, Lord. We're over here praising you. And God said, what was that? And he comes over and he sits down in your house and says, Woo, go ahead and praise me. Go ahead and tell me how wonderful I am. And then when God inhabits your praise and he sits down in your praise, that's when he releases his power in your life and said, because you praise me, watch me work on your behalf. I wish I had about 10 people that would praise God and say, God is my God and he is worthy. It don't matter what I had to go through. I can praise him anyhow and he will send power in my behalf. So God will turn the mute button off when he hears praise rather than complaints coming in your life. So if you go home today and somebody starts complaining, do like this. Now we have a marriage ministry that, and counseling available. Well, he said, I can't believe old pastor said that. God takes the mute button off of our life when we just praise him instead of complain. Now, let me prove it to you. You can't, you can't be in control. He's got to be in control. And when I talk like this, I'm telling you, I meet resistance. Because we're in a society now... I grew up in a school system in Akron, Ohio, where if you got spanked at school, you got spanked at home. You ain't going to disrespect the, the teachers. That ain't the way it is today. If they send a, a note home about boo-boo, 
Mom runs to the school and snatches her weave off and puts lotion on her elbows. Mom need to sit her hind in at home and let the teachers teach. And I'm not talking about teaching stuff that shouldn't teach. I'm talking about disciplining, discipline our little blessing. <laughs> and, and not trying to get our, our, ourselves involved because we want to be in control. And the reason we have problems and the reason, listen, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We get mad at our children and they just repeating what they've seen in us. I know. I'm, we have two grandchildren and, and sometimes they'd be doing stuff and I'd be like, oh my goodness, they picked that up from me. <laughs> Especially the part when they walk in and the first thing out of their mouth is snack. They picked that up from me. <laughs> you can't be in control. And I'll close on this thought. In the Bible, the Bible tells us about a man by the name of Jonah. We know the story pretty good. Jonah, he hears a word from the Lord. And the Lord says, Jonah, I want you to go down to Nineveh and preach. And Jonah was so prejudiced. And Jonah was so biased against the people that God told him to minister to that even though he had heard directly from God, he goes in the exact opposite direction. That is stubbornness on steroids. And all of us have a streak of it in us no matter how sanctified you are. Because if somebody tells you to do something and something rises up in you, you don't have victory yet. Ooh, and they just preached to myself. We were in line at Starbucks on the weekend. And I just bought this new thingamajig, electronic thing that you can put in your vehicle and plug it into your USB and it will let you watch YouTube on your screen. Of course, you're not supposed to be driving. <laughs> Pastor Bev said preach. <laughs> and I finally learned, Justin, how to make this thing work. It was a very, it was a lot of troubleshooting to get it to work right, where I could just get a, get, get, use my hotspot on my phone to turn that YouTube on and watch my gospel music and listen to it. Now, I promise you, I don't stare at it. But when I've got Liam in the back seat, I can turn Puppy Pals on or Paul, it's Paul, Paul Patrol, thank you. I had to stop watching Bluey. He was getting in my spirit. And uh, I couldn't watch him. <laughs> he had a bad spirit. <laughs> or she. I don't know what it was he or she. But anyhow, you never know these days. But I didn't. I had to shut Bluey off. <laughs> and so we were in line at Starbucks. Back to my story. 
we were in line at Starbucks and I had just got this thing set up and had Charity Gale on there singing, amen, amen, blessing and honor and thank you. And I'm just, you know, and I'm in that line of people who have caffeine addiction and we're trying to get our coffee and I'm in that line and then all of a sudden, um, I pull up and it's my turn to place the order. And so it took all this wrangling and making sure Bluetooth and everything's on to make it work. And I turn over to read the screen and to talk to the people. What can I help you with? And, and I start placing my order and then everything went haywire on my radio. <laughs> Pastor Bev decided she was going to turn it off. And her explanation was that so they could hear me. I got so beside myself, I forgot where I was. Can I be real? I got so aggravated that she had the nerve to touch the controls on my manly truck. I did. Can I be real, gentlemen? Until the lady had to say, are you there? I looked over at her. <laughs> and before we got the order completely done and then we got around to the side waiting our turn to pay, she said, you got something in there needs to be crucified, don't you? She said, if you can get that angry over this little box, and we were on our way to Ohio so I could preach, Like, like, oh, I should have never taught y'all that. So we struggle in the area of control. God said, Jonah, go down there and preach. And before he could do anything, he went in the opposite direction to spite God. And that's why I say, don't get down on Jonah too hard because all of us, have a little bit of Jonah in us. And the thing about Jonah is he didn't have the book. We have the book. And we're still stubborn. And Jonah hears from God and God, he says to God, no, I ain't going. And he gets on a ship. He pays his own money. You can pay your way into disobedience. It'll cost you to get out of God's will. And Jonah thought he was in control until the God of this universe began to rock the boat. And there are some of us in this room today that God is rocking your boat. 
and trying to get you to understand that you're not in control. He is. And we, we like to blame other people. Well, it's them people. It's them church folk. It's that boss at work. It's that company I work for. It's my spouse. It's them children. And he is so stubborn. Do you know what he does? He decides to tell the captain, throw me overboard and the storm will stop. He still thinks he's in control. Do you see how being stupid, stubborn makes you look? Does that make sense? Stubbornness makes us look really stupid. And we don't see it, but other people see it in us and they think. And he tells them, throw me overboard. And Jonah gets thrown overboard. And you would think at that point, he would say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I should have obeyed you. But he's not even sorry. He hits the water and here comes the fish and the fish eats him. And Jonah still thinks he's in control. He's eaten by a carp, by a whale, by something. A big fish eats him, eats a man whole. And he still thinks he's in control. And now he's sleeping with the fish. And for several verses, if you read the story, for several verses, he spends three days complaining to God about his situation. Instead of thanking God for sparing him and having mercy on him and praising him, he's still in a control situation, doesn't realize how bad off he is, and he's still trying to play God for his life. Still trying to call the shots for ain't nobody going to tell me. I know I look like seaweed, but ain't nobody going to tell me. (laughs) He thinks he's in charge. And then the Bible says in verse 9, he comes to himself. Because after he had tried to be in charge, God said, okay, if you won't be in charge, I'm going to make you fish food. You are now fish food. And he's in the belly of the fish. And finally, in verse 9 of Jonah chapter 2, he said, I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. And God takes the mute button off of his life and hears his cry. And God gives him a first-class ticket to Nineveh, the place that he told him to go to originally. And he goes down to Nineveh all bleached out (laughs) with his Mediterranean skin bleached. He goes down and preaches to Nineveh. Here's what I know is that Thanksgiving will unleash the mercy of God in your life. When you begin to be thankful again. And sometimes we don't realize how to be thankful until we come to that broken place again where we remember we didn't always have it this good. Is there anybody that would just kind of slip your hand up halfway and say, I remember where he brought me from. I'm not even proud of it. But I have to look back and remind myself every now and then, I was the drunkard. I was the addict. I was the destitute. 
I was the bound. But he brought me out. Praising him is not a suggestion, it's a command to praise the Lord in all things. Father, there are people here today who I know who are struggling in areas of life and concern. And that you would issue us a, a moment and a decision today to say, God, I will not complain, but I will praise. I will be thankful. I will be thankful. If God is dealing with your life and he's speaking to you, and if he's speaking to you at all, that in itself is a miracle because his voice is coming to you and he hears your cry. So I say respond to him and say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. You don't have to feel saved to be saved. You are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You just believe in your heart. And the Bible says that your belief and your confession to him, he will reach and save you. That is the very first step. It's that moment of faith to believe him. You are my savior and you are my redeemer. And you may be here today and you've backslid from God or have never known a relationship with the Lord. And you have found yourself in the belly of a fish strangled with seaweed and God says if you'll relinquish control to me in your life I'll bring my power and resurrect you hallelujah I just felt the witness of the Holy Ghost just now hallelujah I want to ask you while no one's looking around and even if they are if that's you make your way down to this old fashioned altar find you a place to pray to talk to the Lord and to ask God to forgive you of your sins and to ask God to take control of your life because you realize that even to this day you being in control hasn't worked out so well so I'm going to give my life to God I wonder if there are people as we begin to pray all across this house someone would just step out in faith and begin to make their way down to this altar of prayer to talk to the Lord and as they come today God is here to meet those needs our altar team and pastors are coming to pray with people now and I'm asking you to make that step of faith for you as for me and my house we will serve the Lord as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Make that decision for yourself first, and your house will follow. To rededicate your life, to recommit afresh and anew, to say, God, I recognize this morning that I'm not in control, but I know how to get your power to show up in my life it is that if I will just begin to praise you and begin to thank you. And I'm going to ask our team to begin to pray for the people who are here in these altars and those of you that are in need today. And all across this campus, I'm going to ask you if you are here and God's speaking to your heart, be in a place of prayer. Be in a place of prayer as they lead us in worship.
Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 